Hello and welcome to Stories of Scotland, a podcast where we explore the history, heritage and mysteries of Scotland. Yes, and in this episode we are talking one of the defining cornerstones of Scotland and its culture. The one thing that truly shapes us as a people and a society. Rain. Yes, let's celebrate rain. Scotland is known around the globe as being a cold, wet land where it almost never stops raining. Mm. Grey skies follow grey skies and drizzle follows downpours. But we are out to show that rain isn't the worst part of Scotland. It's actually one of the best. Yes, because it's a terrible stereotype. Everyone knows the worst thing about Scotland is the midget. Oh, can we, uh, can we do a hate-filled episode, on no. the, a hate-filled series on the midget, no. just tearing them to shreds, just like they tore me to shreds in the summer of 2007, and I swear I have never been... Jenny, stop. Never, Calm down. Never been so itchy. Okay, Jenny, <laughs> you've got a lot of emotion there. Yes, I do. And I understand that midgies are indeed a difficult opposition. Well, they're most cunning and dangerous foe. Well, they work in numbers. <laughs> They're a pack animal. (laughs) Neither darkness nor rain abate them. No, they work together. (laughs) However, a light rain can make them turn into a kind of hideous beastie paste on your skin. A tremendous lose-lose for both midgy and human. Mm. However, midgy season is almost over. So you can't hold a grudge when they're all about to die. You know, I can and I will, Annie. (laughs) Well then. Let's move on and talk about rain. Scotland has such a special relationship with rain. We even have a million exciting words for talking about the phenomenon that is rain. What's your favourite? It's a tough one, but I've got to go with drukit, I think. I love drich. I prefer dag over drich. <laughs> Wet the flesh. Wet the bone. Plutery. Bucketing it down. Chucking it down. Greedy. Like the sky is crying. Doesn't even stop for the midges. <laughs> okay, a final rain word. Dagastu. Alright, well you made that one up. <laughs> <laughs> well, it comes from Old Norse. It's an ancient word. Mm, okay. <laughs> I find accounts of Shetland fishermen using these Norse words especially when they speak about the weather, when they're out in the fishing boats. Okay. This is quite exciting because we know that superstition leads to taboo words, words that are very unfortunate that might bring a storm. But actually, these Norse words have a kind of superstitious power that brings good fortune. Perhaps the fishermen thought that the Norse gods still somehow governed the seas and the clouds. A little throwback to their Viking heritage and ongoing trading with Scandinavia. Well, the Vikings did own the seas, so you can kind of see where they got that from. (laughs) Yes, and we know that the clouds speak Norse. So a dagastu is a wet, rainy wind. Oh, that's great. That sounds perfect for Inverness, actually. And an adorable Shetland fisherman Norse word for little rain is a rude... Aww. And the fishermen would predict the weather by looking at the birds. Oh, I predict the weather by looking at my phone. So there's rain goose, (laughs) which we know today as a red-throated diver. And if the fishermen saw the rain goose flying inland, then it would mean fair and lovely weather ahead. However, if the rain goose was flying out to sea, then it indicated dangerous storms are coming. Silly gooses. Well, I love the rain goose, the red-throated diver, 
because they have such beautiful color changes from the summer and winter plumage. Mm. In the summer, they have this pale, sky bluish, gray tinged face with a bright red necklace on. And then in the winter, all of their feathers turn into muted grays, like they've just entered into an old black and white movie. They're so beautiful. And they have such a strong seasonal shift, it's not hard to imagine that they could know the secrets of the clouds. That was lovely. You're welcome. So rain is sprinkled all over Scottish culture. It's poured all over Scottish culture. <laughs> <laughs> to make plaids and tartans, you need a lot of water because of all of the dyeing processing of the wool for all of the different colours that you want. Okay. And all of the traditional foods and drinks of Scotland, tatties, neeps, oats, raspberries, cereals for the whiskey, they all grow better with the rain. So do you want to tell us the science behind why Scotland gets so much rain? Ah, you know me so well. Tell me, why does it always rain on me? Mmm, well let me tell you, the rainy Scottish stereotype does have some legs. Our little country gets a lot of rain. Every year, the northwest coast of Scotland gets an average of 3,000 millimetres of rain. For some context, London gets 583 millimetres, and Seattle, another famously wet city, gets an average of 950. So we are smashing this. The main reason we get so much rain is because of strong westerly winds. These blow from across the Atlantic and onto our patch. Not only are they strong, they're also warm. It's because of the pattern of air currents across the globe, and it means that warm, dry air rises down in the lower latitudes and blows across the ocean to higher latitudes. And as this warm air blows over the water, it evaporates large amounts of it. It then carries this evaporated water to northern Europe, where the first land it meets is the UK. Here, the air cools and water in it condenses into large rain clouds. Then it continues to move over land, emptying as it goes. Okay, but all of Britain is on the edge of the Atlantic, so why doesn't southern Scotland and the rest of the UK get as much rain? Ah, well that's to do with the physical geography of the land. So... So mountains! Scotland's coastline is a lot more mountainous than the rest of the UK, especially in the northwest. When the water-filled air hits the mountains, it's forced rapidly upwards. And as it's forced upwards, the air rapidly cools, causing huge amounts of rain clouds to form very quickly. This is a process called orographic lifting. The air is forced over the mountains, and in return, it rains all over them. But areas like Glasgow are renowned for the amount of rain that they mm -hmm. get. And there aren't any big mountains off the coast there. Well, there are a few, but in general, that's kind of to do more with the position of Scotland in the exposed North Atlantic. Here, it's not just the westerlies from the Atlantic carrying water. Many different air currents meet above Scotland specifically. We get moist, warm weather from the southwest, warm, dry air from the continent, and cold Arctic air from the north. This constant mixing of different temperatures and directions of air causes a lot of turbulent atmospheric conditions, all of which lend themselves very well to rainfall. So now we know why it rains so much in Scotland. But this rain gets a very bad reputation. So how can we look at it in a more positive light? Well, all the rain that falls runs off the land and fills our beautiful lochs. Scotland has over 30,000 freshwater lochs. They really define the Scottish landscape. 
from the massive Loch Lomond to all the tiny pools filling kettle holes left by receding glaciers, it's impossible to go anywhere in nature in Scotland and not see a loch. All are fed and sustained by the endless rain, without which many of the smaller lochs, called lochens, would dry out very quickly and the very nature of the Scottish landscape would change dramatically. Yes, especially up in the exposed and rugged landscape of the northwest. Lochs and lochens are in every depression in the land. You can see for miles up there, and the water gives definition to the raw, treeless landscape, making it truly spectacular. Without the lochs, the land would all blur into one purple and grey expanse. But with them, you can see the contours of the land and really appreciate its magnificence. And this abundance of rain doesn't just add to the aesthetics of the landscape. It also allows for loads of really cool and unique ecosystems to thrive in Scotland. Take peat bogs, for instance. We do love a peat bog. Oh, you know it. Peat bogs can be super cool, just not to walk across. Actually, uh, fun fact, the final test to become a member of the Scottish Mountaineering Association is to make it across a peat bog without losing a boot. You're lying. Uh, yeah, yeah, I am, because otherwise there would be no one in the club. <laughs> <laughs> So we definitely have the rain to thank for Scott inventing the waterproof jacket. In 1823, Glaswegian chemist Charles Magintosh was trying to find a use for naphtha, a coal oil, which is a byproduct of coal gas manufacturing. He discovered that coal oil can act as a solvent for India rubber, and then this solution can be used to waterproof fabrics. Okay. The rubber solution sandwiches the textile. I prefer cheese. Although ham and naphtha isn't the worst combo. <laughs> oh, Jenny. I know. So this rubber fabric rubber sandwich is mm. waterproof, lightweight, durable, and able to be mass-produced. And this fabric wasn't just for jackets. Do you want to read this advert from the London Morning Post from 1827, which shows us everything that Macintosh's new fabric was used for. Hello, listeners. Oh, so the London urchin is back. <clears throat> Painting Indian rubber waterproof fabrics of double texture, manufactured and sold by Charles Macintosh and Company, number 10, Poultry Landing. By improvements in purifying and applying Indian rubber to various fabrics of woolen, silk, cotton, linen, leather, and etc., they are rendered perfectly and permanently waterproof. And the proprietors of the patent, now with confidence, recommend its application to the following, amongst an endless variety of useful purposes. Loose dresses of every description, such ladies and gentlemen's cloaks, capes and overalls, aprons of every kind for coachmen, dyers, bleachers, nurses. Wow, they are really making the most of this innovative fabric. My lady, please, there is more to come. Travelling letter or parcel bags, air beds and pillows, swimming jackets or life preservers, lining barosh boxes, that's for your horses, packing cases, hammer cloths, awnings, veranda covers, portmanteau covers, that's for your clothes, at covers, undersheets for sick beds or hospital uses, water hose or fire engine pipes, pails, buckets, likewise for a variety of military and naval purposes such as tent cloth, knapsacks, haversacks, canteens, tumbrel and gun covers, water decks, hammock cloth, light sails, tarpaulin and so on. Well, <laughs> it sounds like Macintosh was ready to waterproof the whole world. Or at least a wealthy milady. <laughs> The 
rain that falls doesn't just sit in lochs and look pretty, it's also vital in sustaining one of the rarest ecosystems in the world, the Celtic rainforest. Yes, rainforests aren't just located in the tropics. They're areas of ancient and semi-ancient woodlands in Scotland that receive so much rain that they are technically classed as rainforests. Yeah, the massive volumes of rain generously provided by our moist oceanic climate is perfect for sustaining the last of the rainforests on the west coast of the Atlantic. These forests are lush and full, just like the tropical rainforests, only much more rare. These wet, dense forests sit deep in river gorges and at the bottom of glens reaching up the mountainsides. They have over 60 species of trees, including Scots pine, birch, oak, ash and hazel. But what makes them a truly rare ecosystem are the many rare species of lichen, mosses, liverworts and fungi that grow on the trees and rocks. The moist, humid climate also needs very clean air for the lichen to survive. Yeah, and it's the very presence of these rare species of lichen that determine whether a forest is considered a rainforest or not. If they are found, it indicates that the air is clean and that there is enough rainfall that it can be classed as a rainforest. Now, the forests used to be all up the Atlantic coast, but now they only remain in Scotland. There's only 30,000 hectares left in Scotland. That's tragic to know that there's so few of these really special forests left. Yeah, it's just over 300 square kilometres. The remaining forests are small and fragmented and isolated from each other. Lots of them are overmature, and overgrazing and invasive species such as rhododendron are making it really hard for new forests to develop. There are a lot of conservation groups working to raise awareness for these forests. They've all grouped together to form the Atlantic Woodland Alliance. So if you'd like to help save the forest, then please do look them up. Yes, we should be doing everything we can to protect these rare and beautiful forests. Walking through the Celtic forest is truly magical, especially after a heavy rainfall when all the water is just evaporating back up to the skies again and the birds start singing and you're in this moment, you're completely immersed in nature. It's just so old and wise and you really feel like you're part of the forest. Rain finds some surreal corners in Scottish mythology. For example, the Brahan Seer, a legendary fortune teller, lived in the 17th century and predicted that the whole country will be so utterly desolated and depopulated that the crow of cock shall not be heard north of Drum Achader. The people will emigrate to islands not unknown, but which shall yet be discovered in the boundless seas. Which is interpreted to be a foreshadowing of the Highland Clarences. After which the deer and other wild animals in the huge wilderness shall be exterminated and drowned by horrid black rains. The people will then return to take the undisturbed possession of the lands of their ancestors. What does that bit mean? So, we aren't actually sure. (laughs) Some people read that this black rain could be symbolic of industrialisation, of the oil industry, or even a nuclear threat. Okay. But black rain is also mentioned in a couple of other interesting segments of the Brahansir prophecies. But it often feels like the folklore kind of follows the patterns of the present. Something happens and we find 
or dare I say, make up hey. a prophecy to match it. For example, a black rain will bring riches to Aberdeen. So obviously we're talking about the oil boom here. Okay. And I also find mention of an unfulfilled prophecy. Once the black rain falls in Scotland, Scotland will be free. So as well as a metaphorical black rain and whatever that may have represented, there's also been literal black rain recorded in Victorian Scotland. Here's an article from the Dundee and Perth Advertiser in 1850. Coloured rain. In autumn 1845, just before the prevalence of the disease in potatoes, showered inky black rain fell in a wild and scantily inhabited district and was believed to be the agent which carried the potato famine through the land. Unfortunately, none of the fluid was preserved or some earlier solution of the mystery might possibly have been detected. And another. Here's a letter from the Scotsman from a minister of Slane's Aberdeenshire, speaking of a shower of black rain which occurred in that neighbourhood on 20th of January, 1862. At 9.30, large, dense, black, smoky-looking clouds, the strangest that I ever saw, came driving along the sea in fearful majesty from south-southeast and instantaneously twilighted the whole atmosphere and set forth a heavy shower of rain upon the land with drops just like black ink. There was, I have reason to think, at least another black shower, but not so noticeable amid much rain that fell that day. I cannot tell the breadth of this great cloud, but I have traced it for more than eight miles from this manse east-north-east through Cruden. This black rain blackened all the water in the district, collected in casks from the roofs of houses and intended for domestic purposes, so that it had all to be thrown away. It blackened all the white bleaching clothes so that they had to be rewashed, and cold water was not sufficient to remove the inky spots, so that hot had to be applied instead. So they guessed that the inky matter brought with the rains was thrown out from the crater of Vesuvius. Mm. The wind was blown from the south-southeast, which would have carried the matter from Italy to Aberdeenshire. But this black rain was recorded in this wee part of Aberdeen multiple times in the 1860s, so Vesuvius must just really have had a vendetta against Slains. <laughs> So I found a lovely old folk poem from the West Coast about the luckiest weather for different milestones to Christian life. Mm. Jenny, can you do a Northwest Coast superstitious but religious poet? Wow, you're really uh, you're really stepping up the requirements for the accents, Annie. I need more <laughs> I need more time to practice. Well, the poem goes West wind to the bairn when gan for its name, and rain to the corpse carried to its lang hame and bonny blue sky to welcome the bride as she gans to the cuck with the sun on her side. Excellent. So this poem is saying that a westerly wind will bring good fortune for christenings, blue skies are wonderful luck on weddings, and rain is what's most appropriate for a funeral. Okay. Rain at a funeral would be quite a cleansing feeling, a kind of closure the weather mimicking the mourning of the relatives and friends of the deceased.
so the rain affects the land and the folklore, but how does it shape the people? Having grown up in the constantly rainy city of Glasgow, how has rain affected your life, Jenny? Well, to me, it was just totally normal for it to be raining all the time. And I've lived in America for a good few years, and I was actually hiking a long-distance trail there. And as I was on the trail, it was raining just day after day after day. And people I was hiking around were dropping off trail. They were all miserable. People were falling out. And for me, it didn't faze me at all. I just woke up and I kept hiking. And I realized about halfway through, about 25 days straight of rain, that it didn't faze me because I was born in the rain. I was raised in it. I was built for this, you know? And actually, while researching this episode, the area of the Appalachian Trail I was on is actually technically classed as a temperate rainforest. So it's a cool little... Link into the Celtic rainforest. Yeah, link into the Celtic rainforest that I was able to survive that Mm -hmm. part of the trail because I literally grew up in that climate. So it's cool. Oh, lovely. Yeah. I grew up in a town in the Highlands called Nairn. The locals sarcastically call it Sunny Nairn because it's supposed to have its own microclimate. Mm. I'll tell you this, it does not. (laughs) Rainy days do help give us some wonderful qualities though. Patience as we wait for the rain to end so that we can go outside or a kind of hardiness as we determinedly walk into the rain to get on with our lives anyway. Mm -hmm. But rain is symbolic for so much as well. For washing away the past, starting afresh, um, plus good harvests and healthy plants. Mm-hmm. Rain connects all the bodies of water we know and love, from wee mountain lochans to the sea. It reminds us that everything has a life cycle. Well, it's a good thing that we're bigging up rain because we're going to be getting a lot more of it in the future. The Earth's climates are rapidly changing and it's predicted that these warmer temperatures are going to result in more water being evaporated and more water being carried over Scotland and more water falling on Scotland. So while it is going to get warmer, it's also going to get wetter for us. Maybe that means more rainbows. Yeah, and the rain is a small price to pay for the natural beauty and character that Scotland has. It makes us hardy and resilient people, it gives life so many diverse ecosystems, and it allows us to appreciate the shelter of our homes and family and the fire that little bit more. Thank you so much for listening to Stories of Scotland. Please like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram and Twitter. I've been having great fun over the last week or so, posting lots of pictures from Annie and I's travels around Scotland, so... If you want to keep up with the adventure, check us out. Slanjava. Slanjava. Where's your accent gone? <laughs> Little street urchin. What happened? I don't think I'm at it, honestly. <laughs> It's gone and got itself waterproof, doesn't it? <laughs> I like feel this little Londoner just like coming out, man. <laughs> I really enjoy it when you call me my lady. <laughs> <laughs>